0: everyone and welcome to the go tech please don't die podcast a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying i'm nathan i'm evan i'm matt and guys we just swept lsu in baseball
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we fucking did
0: <clears throat> <laughs> Matt. did Matt's i surprise died. you did you <laughs> yeah <laughs> were you unaware
1: no. i was uh i'm asthmatic yeah we i, uh... was, I was i was aware <laughs> <laughs> yeah we did it <laughs> we did it Neither game in convincing fashion, but there was a need to be.
2: I mean, this game was definitely not in convincing fashion. That is for sure. It's
1: still a lot of fun to watch. Indeed. A lot more fun to watch when you beat that school in Baton Rouge.
0: And hopefully, like that game was a lot of fun to watch. Basketball will be a lot of fun to watch uh, for the next few years, at least, because we have a replacement for Eric Conkle. Talvin Hester is going to be the new head coach of the Louisiana Tech men's basketball team. He'll be introduced in a presser uh, the day this comes out, a few hours after it comes out at noon. Uh, He'll be the 19th head coach in tech basketball history. Uh, But honestly, I don't know a lot about this guy yet. So, Evan, what can we be excited for about Talvin Hester?
2: Yeah, to be honest, I don't know uh, much about his like X's and O's, right? It's I'm not really a basketball guy. It's not the sport that I know the most about talking about. You just
1: made a post that said basketball was your favorite sport. I I did make that post. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I Asshole. But
2: I only I only like the way they dribble up and down the court. I don't really know, you know, plays and sets and that sort of thing. Anyway, Talvin Hester though has coached at a lot of different places. He started out playing collegiate basketball at Dallas Christian College before receiving his degree from Texas Wesleyan. And he's apparently coached at eight different programs at both the collegiate and professional level in the state of Texas alone. So he's been around. Um, I think he's only 43 years old, too. So he he really has, uh, you know, he's he's trying to collect all the different places to coach in Texas, I guess. But uh, most recently, he was an assistant head coach for the uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders in this past season, 2021 and 22. They were a three seed overall and I believe lost in the Sweet 16. But anyway, before that, he was an assistant coach at Tech under Conkle from 2018 to 2021. So three seasons. And while he was at Tech, he was the primary recruiter for a guy named Junior Lofton. So never heard of him. Yeah, um,
0: that's all I need to hear right there. Right. <laughs> sold. Um, I know you have more to say, but that's it yeah. for
2: me. He's also been an assistant coach at Houston, uh, which is. I don't know if you guys are aware but Houston is a city. Made, it is. Uh the Houston Cougars made the Final 4 a couple years ago. Not while Hester was there, but they were kind of real bad around 10 years ago and they started to rebuild and of course Hester wasn't the head coach, but he was part of that rebuild. Um this was before his stint at at Louisiana Tech. Um Hester was there when they like made it back to the NIT for the first time in a while, for example, and now Houston has uh has really, you know, kept kept growing. They just lost in the Elite 8, but they made it back to the Elite 8 after making it to the Final 4 last year. So, um so they suck. Yes. Uh he's also coached at Oral Roberts, which is in Oklahoma near Tulsa, and then also at Stephen F Austin. So really just a lot of different coaching um experience but no head coaching experience yet. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, how he runs a program who he brings with him to be, you know, assistant coaches and X's and O's guys. Um, as I kind of alluded to, he's primarily known for recruiting so far. Uh, you know, he brought Lofton to Louisiana Tech, so uh, that was good. He also, at Oral Roberts, recruited a guy named Kevin O'Banor, I think is how you say his name. Uh, he was an all-conference player who led Oral Roberts to the Sweet 16 in 2020 So. Pretty pretty good recruiter. Hopefully that sort of thing can keep going, and Tech has been pulling some really good talent from the metro areas in Texas lately, so it'll be really good to have a, a guy like that as the head of the program who is, you know, the players like him. Players were tweeting out their support earlier today. So, yeah, I when's, mean, did I when's convince you?
1: natty and wins the Natty and takes over for Coach K? Wow. He's going to have to do yeah. that really fast because Coach K is retiring after his next loss or after two more wins false he's coming back for the double Mm. no gotcha no talvin hester he does have history with louisiana tech
2: yeah knows rustin one of the things i saw in the message boards which normally i don't share but ben was saying that his daughters are like super pumped to come back to rustin apparently they did not like oh very much at all um sad (laughs) um so he's he's got two young daughters i think who are excited to come back to rustin
1: the yeah they gotta be young
2: I saw the, I just saw a tweet that the family has arrived. They got off the jet. They're, they're in Ruston. They're excited. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's an exciting time. I don't know. What, what do you guys think?
1: Well, uh, did he dap up Eric Wood like Sonny Cumbie did getting off the jet? You know, Eric Wood was not present in the video
2: that they just posted. So wow. I'm not
1: sure. Yeah. That's, that's weak as fuck. Yeah. Not sure. What do I think of this guy? No head coaching experience. Has neither did, experience. Neither did right, right. I'm not. I'm not saying it as a knock, but no head coaching experience. Young guy, right? Early forties. Yeah, I think he's like forty-three. Yeah. So uh, young guy, no head coaching experience, but has history with the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. So it's not like a. It's not like someone who's totally. It, it's almost like a hire from within, but not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like that. Uh, obviously, huge bonus points for being the one responsible for bringing in Lofton. Uh, time will only tell if he's able to bring in similar players of that caliber. If he can do that, then I think we're going to be in good shape.
0: Yeah, I, I made the point while you were giving the spiel that getting Lofton to Tech was why I'm so excited about him. Lofton wasn't recruited by anybody else, right? Tech was well, basically his one D1 offer.
1: Georgetown offered him.
0: I think after the fact and late in the process. That's insane.
1: And, That's yeah. yeah. Georgetown did offer him. I don't know. I mean, I didn't know the ins and outs of it, but yeah. I know they offered.
0: My, my understanding was Tech was on him early and became – they recognized him much earlier than everybody else, and that goes right. on the recruiter. Right. And so and if he's able to not find another loft in or, or anything like that specific, but if he has that eye for talent and knows, hey, I can see it in this kid, we need to get this guy on campus, that's much more exciting to me than being able to sign three-star or four-star players – like is usually kind of the, well, they brought this guy over here and it just turns out that they're very good at schmoozing in a living room. But if this guy can find zero star athletes and turn them into starters, the way that we saw Mike White do with Speedy Smith. And apparently he, along with Conkle did with junior Lofton, then
2: I'm very excited for the future.
0: Those are a lot of ifs. It's an if based on a truth
2: though. Yeah. Because there's done always going to be uncertainty too with, with a new coach, especially one that hasn't been a head coach before. So I know Tech was looking looking at other, you know, head coaches at sort of a lower level, like the Nichols State head coach, who's had success down there. SFA's coach was reportedly in the mix for a little bit, but he was already making five hundred thousand dollars at SFA, apparently. So Jesus,
1: half so a million to coach down there.
2: Yeah, so I don't know how much more we would have been able to offer him, you know. Um, but yeah, I I think it'll be interesting, like I said earlier, to see who he builds out his staff with. You know, cause if he's not known as an X's and O's guy, I mean, Conkle was right. And Mike white was, so it'll just be interesting, maybe a little bit different um, to have a program run. And of course, I don't know, maybe he'll, maybe he'll blossom as a head coach and take on the X's and O's more than he's known for now. I don't really know how
1: these things work. So he just um, tells them to go out there and have fun. And we win yeah. every game in the national championship. Why haven't, Why haven't we tried that before? <clears throat> What's your secret? I told those boys to go out there and have some fun today. And yeah. they went 36-0. Yeah, I'm down. This So obviously still has to put a staff together, uh, top to bottom. Still has to bring in his recruiting classes. And uh, I actually do have a point to make, which is odd because I almost never do in these conversations. Recruiting for basketball, you kind of get to reap the rewards a little bit sooner than you do in football. <clears throat> I guess you could say the same for baseball, is that a lot of these kids that play high school ball, I, I, I mean – some of them are ready just to play college ball as soon as their senior year of high school. Like I think Lofton could have walked on the team as a senior in high school and been effective uh, at yeah. Tech. So it's not like you have to wait a few years to get some results here uh, from from the new head coach. He could bring in his first freshman class and make an immediate impact. So that's kind of what's got me the most excited is he can make an impact almost immediately and bring impactful players into the program immediately. Yeah. And, it's not you can't say the same so much for football because Cumbie kind of came in right when recruiting was about to end and yeah it takes a little bit longer for those types of players to develop in football although
2: Landry Liddy might be the quarterback day one let's go and, we'll, come and, we'll,
1: on. and we, can, <laughs> we can and we can get to that later yeah uh, insert it's Liddy Vin, time baby let's
2: go come on insert
1: insert Vince McMahon meme but uh, <laughs> yeah I it is exciting and I'm not gonna get my expectations up too high. 'Cause this is Louisiana Tech after all.
2: Fourteen straight NCAA (laughs) tournaments. Who's that? Fourteen straight NCAA tournaments. Those are my expectations. Oh,
1: those are your expectations. Yeah. Oh, mine were 15 straight wins. Uh national championship wins.
2: Oh, okay. Well mine
0: was another loss in the finals of the conference USA championship game.
1: (laughs) Ah, crashing back down to reality. Well, yeah. Yeah. It is is exciting. It is exciting.
2: At least we're not Western Kentucky, though. They lost four straight conference championship games.
1: My yeah, God. That's, per, that's Next, the rough. Buffalo
0: Bills of KUSA. Yeah.
1: The only other thing I want to say here, and I think this is important, uh, this will be, um, I, I, I don't think it's happened often, this will be the first uh, African-American head coach of the men's basketball team, I do believe, right?
2: Um, as far as I know, and now if, yeah. if somebody else knows differently, you know, feel free to... Feel free to tweet at us and correct us. but
1: <clears throat> We had um, Teresa Witherspoon, a.k.a. Teaspoon, um, head coach to Lady Texters for a while. Um, yeah. Who I think was the first uh, African-American head coach of any major sport at Tech, uh, which is awesome. But I think that uh, the new head coach of the men's team can lay claim to the, the first uh, black head coach of the men's team. And that's pretty cool. Although I haven't seen the video of him getting off the jet. And I'm really disappointed Dr. Wood wasn't there.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Maybe he was there and he just didn't make the video this time.
1: The little supercut. It seems like a really, seems like a really laid back guy. Um, yeah.
2: I, no, which... I, I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, he's talking about you know win, winning every day, being detail oriented, like uh, super
1: detailed oriented.
2: I think it's interesting because so many of these guys like know him already. So it's not like the norm. Like when Coach Cumby came in, you know, he's saying like, "All right, here's you know, here's." who i am i'm high energy like we're gonna get after it we're gonna do this we're gonna do that like these guys already know him so like he doesn't have to come in and like introduce himself and how he operates you know yeah it's it's interesting
0: and matt made that same point a second ago too about how he can bring his own guys in sooner because it's basketball not football but i think a lot of his guys are already in that room yeah and that that makes that even faster transition
2: also cool to see uh xavian christian in the room even though he's like done uh, didn't see Junior, but Junior has, you know, declared for the draft. So I guess I I hope that he's still like doing classes and stuff because I don't know what happens if he, like, I don't know what happens academically if you, if no idea when all that stuff happens. So maybe he was in he... class while that meeting took place. Yeah, that's true. Could maybe.
1: be. I hope so. So dedicated but to class. Yeah. As far as Coach Hester's concerned, it's uh, almost diametrically opposite, uh, real laid yeah, back. He seems and... pretty chill. Yeah. Which, in yeah. fairness, he wasn't at a live practice or anything like that. Uh, He could be a totally different guy, but he kind of strikes me as the type of coach that uh, whenever they are having practice, if you screw up, he doesn't really yell. He just stares at you. (laughs) He just stares at you until you do it correctly. Like the old school coaches, but regardless of his philosophy, if the players love him, players are going to work real hard for a coach that they love.
0: Yeah. Agreed. And enough about basketball. Let's talk about baseball because the other big news of this week was Tech beating LSU in Baton Rouge at Alex Box Stadium. Also playing FIU uh, over the weekend, but I think we'll spend most of the time talking about this LSU game. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Um, another game against LSU, another quick start for the Diamond Dogs. A bases clearing triple by Darius Myers put Tech up 4 to nothing in the first inning. LSU only had three base runners through the first four innings, but exploded in the fifth. Uh, Tech starter Greg Martinez stayed probably a hitter or two too long inside that game, and LSU tied the game at four. But luckily, true freshman Ryan Harland limited the damage to just those four runs. After that first inning, the Bulldog bats really cooled off, but at this point, they were ice cold. They went down 1-2-3 in the 6th, 7th, and 8th innings. Meanwhile, LSU had been able to put two runs across and now just needed three outs for the Tiger win. A throwing error got the first Bulldog on base and a walk put the tying run at first base. Riggs Easterling, the speedster, was called on to pinch run to improve the odds of that tying run reaching the plate. Uh, Taylor Young saw four straight balls to load the bases and then Cole McConnell, after going down 0-2 in the count, forced a walk to bring Tech to within one run. Bases are still loaded and still no outs. Still Netterville unfortunately delivered a Taylor-made double play ball, but because of Riggs Easterling's speed on third base, it forced LSU to take the easy two outs to, but give up that tying run. George Corona now at bat, he strikes out to end the inning, but Tech did just enough to continue playing the great sport of baseball. LSU goes down 1-2-3 in the ninth. both teams down in order in the 10th, but in the 11th inning, Tech again loads the bases, looking to take the lead with George Corona at bat. Not a strikeout this time, but a ground ball to second ends yet another Bulldog threat. LSU's offense finally makes some noise in the the 11th inning when Dylan Cruz doubles to left, and a pass ball moves the winning run for LSU to third base with one out. But a failed squeeze bunt, maybe a suicide squeeze bunt, we may never know, gets Cruz caught between third and home, and professional fast man Riggs Easterling runs Cruz down to get the out. The top of the 12th provides another bases-loaded situation for the Bulldogs, Jackson Lancaster doubles, Bryce Wallace walks, and Riggs Easterling, there's that name again, also walks, bringing up Taylor Young, who had just injured his hand in the previous inning, up to the plate. But Young forces a bases-loaded walk to take the lead for the Bulldogs, and with McConnell flying out, the Dogs only have a one-run lead to take into the bottom of the 12th inning. Kyle Krigger, who we hadn't really talked about much before now, but who had been dominant in the 9th, 10th, and 11th innings, Started the 12th by giving up two singles, then gets a strikeout, then a second strikeout. And with two outs to the bottom of the 12th, up by one run, runners on second and third gets the third strikeout for the win. Kyle Krigger slams the door and delivers the Bulldogs a seven to six victory over LSU. Yeah,
1: and it was that uh it was that uh devastating pornographic slider that sealed uh, that deal.
2: Yeah, let's let's start with Kyle Krigger. I mean, my God. The <laughs> slider is disgusting. You said mm. it's borderline pornographic matt Yeah, it's it's definitely need, bordering on just
1: full-fledged, honestly. Yeah, I mean you it I need to start putting like a like a like blurring it out. Tag. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why is, is my uh, stream getting all pixely for some reason?
1: <laughs> yes, Nitz's uh Nitz's call was pretty spectacular the last out, but uh when you watch the footage of it, uh oh, Evan, I think you kind of had a, an observation about they weren't sure whether yeah, I mean, they I mean, were kind of afraid to swing at those fastballs because they were they were, in the back of their minds they knew a slider was coming.
2: Yeah, I mean with the with the both of the last two batters that struck out, you know Kriger gave them a fastball right up the middle as their second strike, and they didn't swing at it. They both looked at it, and it and the LSU announcers were going crazy like, "Oh, that's the pitch you got to hit," you know, but. But these poor guys, they couldn't tell, right? Because they're sitting there in the, in the on deck circle, like watching this slider come in and, uh, like, you know, oh, God. yeah, I, I think sliders and fastballs, the reason why a slider can be so devastating if you can pull it off is that it looks like it's going to be a fastball and then it just dives out of the zone, right? It, it's, it moves so much when you do it the way that Krigger is able to do it. And my God, I mean, he pitched four innings, faced 14 batters and struck out eight (laughs) including the final three batters of the game just a masterful performance from him coming in in the ninth and you know he's he's used to pitching normally in one to two inning spurts right to kind of finish out a game but we just we were we gave him the ball and said you know keep pitching until we win basically (laughs) like and uh and he did that striking out eight batters in four innings amazing yeah going into that
0: Bottom of the 12th, I was really keeping an eye on that pitch count. And not every game do they record the number of pitches thrown by a pitcher. So this makes this a little difficult to compare. But against McNeese on March 6th, Cricker threw 56 pitches. And he ended this game at 55. Uh, but it's a lot of work for usually your closer to come in and throw four innings of baseball. But he's kind of been this utility guy. He reminds me a lot of Nate Harris uh, from a few years ago who just, whenever you need him, it doesn't matter if it's a save situation or not, you just throw him out there and he will he, he will let you find a way to win the game. Yeah. And luckily, Tech found a way to win with the bases loaded so many times. Oh my god, yeah. In this game alone, loading the bases on four different occasions, or at least in four different innings, and scoring just four runs between those four times.
2: Yeah, I, I found myself begging on several occasions for Tech to just, you know, get a hit, right? We, god, we went from the second inning, right? LSU's pitcher that started the game, Will Helmers, he gave up five hits and four runs um, pretty much right off the bat. And then, well, off the bat. <laughs> uh-huh. um, is that where that expression comes from? I think so. Yeah. probably. Uh-huh. Most of <laughs> In my experience,
0: most expressions come from baseball terms. Interesting.
2: Um, Out of left field. T- please yeah, stop. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Is If something's fair, I mean, please, I don't know. Please stop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway um tech didn't get a hit from the second inning all the way until the top of the 11th inning um when taylor young doubled yeah and we won and we won the game we found a way to (laughs) win the game
0: and that's kind of what i'm feeling off of this team right now is the same thing that happened last year they're not always playing their best baseball they're Bulldogs have played better baseball than what was on display on Wednesday night in Baton Rouge, but they found a way to win the game. They did it against UTSA last weekend, too. Another time where they struggled with the bases loaded. They had the bases loaded three times and only got across a couple runs. Actually, only one run in those three bases loaded situations. But they found a way to win the game. They found a way to take the series from UTSA. They found a way to sweep LSU. And sometimes it's just that magic that you need in sports like these. It's that magic that got the lady texters to the conference championship game in basketball. Sometimes that magic doesn't last as long as you want it to. And hopefully for the baseball team, it lasts through the end of June. But please.
1: Oh, oh, or we uh, win the College World Series and all die in Omaha. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I want to
2: go. Yeah. What a great way to go.
1: Yeah, man. Texas making it to Omaha would be a, it'd
0: be amazing. Uh, and and if, just... if they make it to Omaha, it will be because of the players on the team. Right. But mostly pitching probably our biggest question mark going into this year was the relief pitching or at least the pitching outside the big three of Jonathan Fincher, Ryan Jennings and Jarrett Worf, who the three of them actually haven't been as solid as we had hoped uh, so far this year. But the relievers were the big question mark on this team. And Greg Martinez, who's kind of a reliever, kind of a starter, depends on the scenario. He's the one that gets a start here. Was great through the first two times through the order, uh, and then really struggled the third time through, and probably stayed in the game a little too long. But Ryan Harland, the true freshman out of Baton Rouge, he went to school down the road at Parkview Baptist in Baton Rouge. He comes into the into the stadium, into Alex Box Stadium, to shut the door on the LSU threat to only tie the game uh, Ryan Jennings then coming in relief three innings of solid pitch and giving up two runs but I mean over three innings that's not bad and then Kyle Krieger we've talked a lot about already but it's the relief pitchers that are going to make the difference this year and this was a good game for basically four bullpen guys putting together a win over LSU
2: yeah for sure and I mean you can't say enough about a true freshman coming in and You know, especially since he's from Baton Rouge, I mean, he probably grew up going to games at Alec Box Stadium, like, you know, imagining himself pitching there and to come in and like you said, Nathan, shut the door and he only got a couple outs worth of work. But hey, that's I mean, he's a true freshman and he came in and he was clutch. So you love to see that.
0: And then also Taylor Young in this game while fielding a ball, he thought he broke his hand. It's what he said after the game. He said he thought he broke his hand, kept playing, went up to bat in the 12th inning with what he thought was a broken hand, didn't actually swing the bat, I don't think, or at least didn't ever make contact with it, but forces a walk anyway. Yeah. How do you walk a guy with a broken hand?
2: I mean, the only time he swung the bat was when he did his bat flip after getting more (laughs) (laughs) which was amazing. Maybe that's what
0: popped it back into place.
2: (laughs) I mean, you had a, a... a twitter account that was sort of live tweeting the game who said that he quote pimped the shit out of that walk <laughs> <laughs> which was amazing um yeah but he he kind of shrugged his shoulders off and uh you know and, and flipped the bat behind him and it was like hey man that was well earned he was down 0-2 in the count and give him credit he didn't swing at any of the close pitches that were that you know they were trying to bait him with you know but god again you'd <laughs> you'd love to get a timely hit from one of those guys i mean not only did we have the bases loaded a bunch of times, but a lot of the time it was like Taylor young McConnell steel Netterville, you know, Matulia George Corona, like these guys that you want to see getting hits for you. And, uh, we didn't, we haven't mentioned this yet, but Matulia went, I think over six with five strikeouts. Is that
1: right? Yeah. Oh, wow. In uh, yeah. yeah,
2: not, not a great look, uh, from one of your best hitters. Um, Oh, just four strikeouts. Sorry. Excuse me. Oh, golden to Yeah. Just I, a I, one. Yeah. I apologize. Uh, I, you know, again, didn't mean to slander, uh, the young man here, but, um, you suck. <laughs> no,
1: nah, you don't. But, I mean, your best. Like
2: you said, Nathan, this is amazing to even come out with a win. We were down two runs in the top of the ninth. We did not get a hit and yet we still found a way to tie the score. And then, you know, only really got one or two more hits for the whole rest of the game, but loaded the bases twice and got the job done in the top of the 12th when we needed to. Yeah. And Kyle Kruger is very good. So <laughs> very true. Yeah,
0: very true statement. Yeah. And while the offense wasn't great against LSU, it showed up when it needed to, but against FIU, the offense couldn't stop showing up Uh Friday night's game ended in a final score of 12 to two Bulldogs. Saturday was 12 to nothing. In favor of Louisiana Tech, and then the Sunday game, just in eight innings, the Bulldogs scored more runs, winning this one 13 to two. Total yeah. dominance over the Panthers.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, I I'm kind of shocked that FIE doesn't have a better baseball program. I mean, there's a a strong Dominican, and yeah, I mean, it's just a fact that you know baseball is extremely popular in the Dominican Republic, and there's a lot of those. Uh, well, uh, they have. A, a, I mean, a lot of Cubans, a lot of Dominicans that live in the Miami metropolitan area. And you'd think that that would just be like a a smorgasbord for recruiting. But I guess they just suck.
2: Yeah, it's kind of amazing how bad FIU is at just about everything. But um, yeah, I mean, on the batting side of things, Tex Bats kind of woke up a little bit in this series. Um, You know, you've got three guys with OPSs over one point (laughs) three. Uh, um, so, uh, so yeah. yeah pretty pretty good uh cole mcconnell george corona taylor young um all above 1.3 taylor young probably playing with a slightly broken hand uh <laughs> batted batted seven for 15 you know 467 from the plate uh slugging percentage of of uh 0.667 so yeah i mean uh pretty good you know yeah. and uh the only guy who really needs to get stuff going still i think is steel netterville who. Hasn't had a good couple of weeks. He went two for 18 from the plate in this series. Did bat in three RBIs, though, so that was good to see. But uh, really, really would like him to pick it up, especially this week that we have coming up here, which we'll talk about in a second. But the most interesting thing to me about this series was that Wayne Burroughs decided to change up the pitching a little bit. Uh, he stuck with Jonathan Fincher on Friday, uh, who had a pretty good outing, allowed five hits and two runs. Um, in six innings pitched while striking out five. But then Saturday, instead of going with Ryan Jennings, he went with Cade Gibson, who got the start and went eight innings, giving up five hits and no runs. You know, that game ends up in a shutout. He also struck out five and walked none. So uh, really nice stuff out of Cade Gibson, and I think he may be establishing himself as part of the weekend rotation. Back to Jarrett Worf on Sunday, but Jarrett Worf just went four and two-thirds. He did look better than he has lately. Uh, had a little bit better command of his of his pitches. Um, and then Ryan Jennings came in as well and pitched uh, two and a third and was also really good in relief. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what Burroughs does moving forward and kind of who emerges as the Saturday and Sunday starters.
0: Yeah, I mentioned earlier it would come down to the bullpen and that the starters have been kind of the unreliable part of this team outside sometimes, you know, the offense. It's pretty big part. But playing around with the pitching... Rotation makes sense when things aren't going perfectly, so I don't. Seems like a good thing to do. Uh, yeah. But whoever starts on Tuesday night tonight, uh, when this comes out, will have their hands full against a Dallas Baptist team that is number one in RPI, number Ooh. nineteen in the D one baseball poll, and number eighteen in the Baseball America poll. This is a tough team.
2: Yeah, apparently. <laughs> the Dallas Baptist.
0: What are they? Baptist Dallas- They're the Patriots. Sounds like a separation of church and state issue, but the <laughs> Patriots are 15 and eight on the year, but all eight losses coming to teams in the top 25% of college baseball. This is a good team. I just said that. I'll say it again. This is a good team.
2: Yeah. I think, did they make a super regional last year?
0: Yes, they did. They made the Columbia super regional in South Carolina where they faced off against Virginia and actually won the first game, but dropped the second too.
2: Mm. Ooh, yeah, yeah, They won so the
0: you, Fort Worth regional last year.
2: This, yeah, this team was one one win away from uh from omaha then yeah last year so they're very good pretty impressive stuff from them and obviously being number one in rpi would be very helpful for us to go ahead and win this game uh nathan where are we currently sitting at in rpi
0: right now we are 33rd in rpi
2: yeah so i mean that's not bad but certainly a win a midweek win over the number one team would be nice uh yeah i mean are are they particularly good at batting like how are they how are they winning their games? I'm not sure if you know that offhand. I but don't know that. Let's see. I've got their schedule up right now. Wow. They actually started out one and three. I mean, it looks like they're, they've got a pretty good mix of, uh, you know, of bats and, and good pitching. They're winning a lot of games like five to four, four to one, six to two. So it's not like they're blowing teams out or, you know, winning, winning 13 to 10 or something like that. It's mostly reasonable scores here. Um, but they did sweep Southern Miss earlier this year, so that's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, especially because Southern Miss is who we play after DBU, I guess is the abbreviation. Uh, we play Southern Miss on the road in Hattiesburg this weekend in a three-game series. Uh, Southern Miss is seventeen and seven on the year, number thirty in RPI, so three slots higher than we are. Uh, they just swept an awful Western Kentucky team last weekend. And then took two of three from a pretty meh FAU team the week before. Uh, So Southern Miss is good. Dallas Baptist is very good. This will be a tough week and a pretty good test for what our baseball team is at this point in the year.
2: Yeah, I mean, we talked about the schedule earlier this year and how it kind of sucks that we have to play at Southern Miss, at Old Dominion, and at Charlotte. And this this is the first of those road tests. And... I mean, Southern Miss is beating teams, um, you know, through a combination. Southern Miss is always kind of the team to beat in our conference. So, and they're currently being led, uh, at the plate anyway, by everybody's favorite shortstop slash occasional bottom of the ninth inning, uh, blown save pitcher, Dustin Dickerson, uh, who is batting three eighty three this season. So he's having a great year, uh, yet again, he had a great year last year too, except for that, uh,
0: see if he's made any, any improvement pitching.
2: <laughs> I God, I hope they put him in at pitcher just like just for the lulls, right? Yeah, just just uh, to do it. Why not? Yeah, just for the lulls. I mean, I don't even care what the situation is. If we're up, you know, fifteen to nothing, or they're up fifteen to nothing, I don't care. They put him in. We get retweets. That's uh, they just absolutely it
0: do it if they're up fifteen nothing. I want to come back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I I still can't believe they did that. I cannot believe they did that.
0: They, they will never have not done that, and that is um, I know. just so great.
2: And their fans get so mad whenever I tweet. the Because the, I have a screenshot saved of the, uh, you know, now into pitch Dustin Dickerson. Yes, you read that right. <laughs> and, not,
1: I don't know what you guys are talking about.
2: Uh, the conference tournament last year, they put in their shortstop in the bottom of the ninth. To Why did they do that?
0: Because <laughs> they wanted to lose, apparently.
2: Because they were saving their pitchers for
0: the next game. Because I don't know because tech, tech was play, the, the winner of that game was going on to play Old Dominion, and so they made a calculated risk by pitching their shortstop rather than one of their relief pitchers because their bullpen was short staffed because of the map that they had pitched. But
2: you have I mean, to win they the game said that to they were to the out next pitchers game. So, I, but I don't necessarily buy that because they had yeah. they had played in fewer games than we had. I think to that point, right or something like it's been a while.
0: But yeah, that that's yeah. what that's referencing. Uh-huh. But
2: do it again. But yeah, he, he blew the, he blew the five, two lead they had going into the bottom of the ninth. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've got some other players who are very good. Slade Wilkes has a 1.138 OPS. He's got 12 doubles on the year so far, five home runs. So, I mean, they've got some players who are going to hit pretty well. So, you know, and then on the pitching side of things, it looks like their starting pitchers are Hunter Riggins, Tanner Hall, They've got the most innings pitched of uh of their whole team. Both of those guys are sporting an under 1.0 uh walks and hits per innings pitch, so that's really good, I think. Uh, Nathan, you can correct me if I'm wrong about any of these things, but uh anytime you're below one on a pitching stat is probably good, right? E- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then their other unless guy, that number is uh, wins, but that's a dumb yeah, stat anyway. Fair. Uh and then their other, their third. Innings pitch guy, uh, Hurston Waldrip. he's at 1.07. <laughs> yeah, I, look, look, I'm just reading the name, Hurston yeah, Waldrip. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's fair. <laughs> but he's, uh, you know, his ERA is a little higher, 2.48, but he's uh, only giving up 1.07 walks and hits per innings pitch. So uh, pre- pretty good out of their three main pitchers. A
0: yeah. couple more sports to talk about real quick at the end of the show, bowling. Ooh. Uh, The Southland Conference Championships started up on Friday. It was a double elimination bracket that Tech uh, decided to lose the opening match of. But what happened after that, Evan?
2: Yeah, they had to win. You know, they'd have to win every single match from then on uh, to survive. And uh, on Friday afternoon, they beat Valparaiso to survive and uh, advance into day two. Then they had to face off with the number one team in the nation, Sam Houston State. They beat them then the number three team in the nation, Arkansas State, and beat them uh, to set up a semifinal match with Youngstown State. Um, and unfortunately, the Texters were, they I think they were down 3-1, to one and they forced a Game 7, but ultimately fell in that Game 7 of the Baker matchup. Um, so they did not win the conference championship, but they will find out Wednesday if they get an at-large bid to the NCAA championships, which... Um, the way it was explained to me is that their coach always says that they don't want to leave anything up to chance. Uh, but I mean, I think they're the number seven team in the nation, so they should probably get an at large berth, but I don't know. I don't know how those things work really. But the selection show is on Wednesday, so we'll tweet it out whenever they know for sure.
0: And then another uh women's sports softball. They beat Utah two games to one, winning nine to three on Friday and six to one on Sunday, but dropping the Saturday match seven to six. Uh, this week the Lady Texas softball team faces Northwestern State in Natchitoches. They're number 132. Uh 51% chance to win that game. Earlier this year, the Texas lost three to two to the Demons. That's Tuesday night. Okay. Then this weekend they'll face UTSA number 152. I believe that's Massey ratings, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where they have a 64% chance to win that each of those games in that series. And then we have some tennis news.
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm just adding this here. The tennis team is 16 and two going into this past weekend and whoever they were supposed to play, I think got it got canceled for some reason but uh, they ended up bringing in Tyler Junior College to play and Tech had won you know something like I don't know 11 or 12 games in a row, but Tyler Junior College apparently ranked number one in college tennis, uh, which is interesting. Oh. But tech went up two to one after uh after oh god, Ilana Tetrishiv whatever her (laughs) name is. Uh, Sorry, I think the uh, the call
0: cut out a little bit there. You yeah. want to give that another go?
2: Ilana, my girl, Ilana <laughs> uh, uh she, she won... For, to uh, be fair,
0: I'm laughing at your attempt, not at the actual name. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, she won all 12 of her games against uh, the Tyler Junior College tennis player um, in a 6-0, 6-0 mm. victory. And then Tech was up 2-1, but uh, TJC was able to come back and uh and get come from behind victories on courts 1 and 2 to take the weekend by a score of 4 to 3 so tech lost for the first time in like 2 months so 16 wow. and 3 overall uh i be- that's got to be the best we've ever done because i know they were talking about you know setting records and that was the last time we talked about it like a month ago and they haven't lost since then until this past weekend so pretty cool to see and uh i apologize to ilana uh to yeah the junior from i believe israel uh whose name i cannot say so yeah uh she's very good though very good
0: yeah All right. and then the final thing to do on the show that's the tweet of the week this week's tweet of the week goes to former bulldog current bulldog we don't know junior lofton uh who while getting heckled by some uh north texas fans uh tweets out a picture that um, I'd actually seen it before, but this is a good, uh, <laughs> way to phrase it. It's him basically being heckled by a bunch of North Texas fans and junior tweets it saying, I'm going to get this picture on my wall one day.
2: Yep. And then, uh, to make things better, NTSN said, you can hang it on your wall in Denton when you come here after, after you're done testing the NBA waters and junior just tweeted three roll eyes, emojis. So. <laughs> don't think junior will be uh will be going to north texas if he goes somewhere other than tech i I think the chances of him going to north texas are slim to none but yeah you know we we love uh we love junior and you know anytime you want to talk shit about north texas junior we're here for you come on the pod we'll give you the floor We'll give you the floor. Yeah.
0: And that about wraps it up for this episode of the Go Tech Plays on Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E or head to our blog, gtpdd.dog, where there's sometimes posts up, but there's also the contest where Tech is playing four tough games this week, so they may not have as many wins this week as they did last week, so you may want to update uh, what your answers are and also the shop where you can still, at least for the next couple of days, get the March shirt of the month with the rally train ticket to ride, and then soon there'll be a new shirt up April 1st. Unless it's an April Fool's Day joke. Uh, but yeah, head there, gtpdd.dog/shop. And until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Matt. And go tech. Please don't die.
1: to be exquisitely pathetic but i have re- i have pictured in my head so many times what the final scene of the movie is the movie being us in omaha and it's us in cheap bleacher seats in the outfield and uh tech is down one run oh my god with with a man on first and a <laughs> and a batter comes up and just slaps a fastball and it comes right towards us And Nathan jumps up and catches it, and we win the national championship. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Nathan starts crying hysterically. I think it would just explode. (laughs) I don't know how this would work. I don't know the
0: physics. The
1: (laughs) ball hits Nathan's hand, and he explodes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the ball hits Nathan right in the glove, and it's the glove he's uh, had since he was a child. For sentimentality reasons, which I
0: can't even find now, but somehow it just turns up the day before the game, like in my suitcase. It's in it's in Matt's car for some reason.
1: (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, Nathan uh, breaks down in tears. Evan's too drunk to react.
2: Um, (laughs) I haven't even been drinking. I'm just. (laughs) But yeah, you're still somehow too drunk, man.
1: And uh, I am shirtless for some reason and uh, storming the field.